0: Welcome to the Being Well Between Cultures podcast. I am Caterina, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Vamos. C'est parti. Do you often feel frustrated trying to make sense of cultural differences, dealing with the day-to-day challenges of living in an unfamiliar environment and communicating in a foreign language? Are you perhaps looking for something that could bring some relief and help you navigate through those rough waters with more ease and peace? I have just the thing for you. Today, we welcome Rita Wubler to talk about a powerful tool and practice that can help us experience a calmer, more joyful life across cultures. Rita is a certified mindfulness meditation teacher, facilitator, interculturalist, and executive coach. A native German, Rita spent the first two and a half decades of her life in Europe before moving to the United States. She is currently based in Atlanta, the capital of the state of Georgia in the southeast of the US. She holds a master's degree in applied linguistics, as well as several professional coaching certifications. Rita has been practicing mindfulness meditation for over 15 years and offers several mindfulness and well-being programs in person and online to participants from around the world. Her classes are aimed at helping people be more intentional in their approach to work and personal life, staying present and calm in stressful situations, and responding rather than reacting to the present moment. These are very helpful skills for all human beings, in particular, For those of us living in a foreign country, interacting with different cultures, or having any kind of intercultural experience, this episode is packed with anecdotes, pearls of wisdom, and guidance to live a better life between cultures, so stick around until the end. Personally, I can tell you that Rita has had a very positive impact on my life, both as a fellow interculturalist I look up to, and as one of my mindfulness meditation teachers. So when she accepted my invitation to join me as one of my conversation partners on the Being Well Between Cultures podcast, I felt thrilled and truly honored. And today, I feel very excited to share our conversation with this community. Enjoy. Hello, Rita. Welcome to the Being Well Between Cultures podcast. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be one of my conversation partners.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Katarina.
0: What I know about you is that you're a native German, born in northern Germany, in a small town in northern Germany. And your current home at the moment is Atlanta, the capital of the state of Georgia, which is a state in the southeast of the US. Now, you spent a big part of your life in Europe, in several countries, before moving to Atlanta. Tell us what brought you to the US. What prompted that big cross-cultural move?
1: <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be this big, actually. Um, I, was, I applied for a, um, a in, an exchange program for young professionals uh, through a German foundation that um, has been in existence for a long time that tries to bring German young Germans abroad. And so I got accepted, I got a scholarship and they said you're going to Atlanta and they said to me right away don't try and stay. Uh, that's not going to be okay because we otherwise we're going to be endangering our program and I said no I don't want to stay that's fine two and up two years is going to be just perfect and so. After two years of me being a student for one quarter and visiting student at Georgia State University, I found a job in a consulting firm in Atlanta. And I liked it. And my then boss said, you know, if you want to get another visa, we could try and get a visa for you perhaps. And it was much easier. And so he did, and I got another visa and then another one. And then I started, and then I changed to a green card. And here I am, an illegal uh, immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> I became a dual citizen in 2003 because the German government began to allow dual citizenship. Um, just uh. And so here I am, a a resident of both, of both countries, usually resident only of the U.S., but I go back and forth a lot. And I, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so how long has it been that you've been in in the U.S.?
1: Well, I arrived in the fall of '86, so that makes that'll make it 37 years this year. So a very long lifetime.
0: Have you stayed in, in the Atlanta area this whole time, or you've um, run the U.S. too? When, I'm in, when I was in the U.S.,
1: yes. However, I moved to Canada for almost four years for personal yeah. reasons. Um, I lived in Nova Scotia for two years and then in Toronto for two years. And okay. uh, that was the end of uh, 2000, 2008 through 2012. You know, I tried to, the expat life, actually, and I was very glad for the experience because I... I felt for the first time what it was like to move as an adult with, you know, a whole whole household and Mm -hmm. not just as a student. Um, And then whatever I was doing that didn't work out. Let's just call the big divorce, divorce, uh, the big D word. And so (laughs) I moved back to Georgia and um, back into my house eventually. And here I am. I've been back for 10 years now.
0: Did it feel like you were moving back home? Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: For sure it felt like yeah i mean canada is really an interesting country and it's in many ways um it, it seems closer to europe than the us mm-hmm. um, however the weather was a little hard for me i really had gotten used to sunnier weather warmer weather i don't even mind the humidity in atlanta i i thrive on it and so mm-hmm. being in canada with you know several snowstorms a season that oh, was- very
0: harsh winters yeah i know those two here in in chicago <laughs> This is the furthest north that I've ever lived. And mm-hmm. it's it's harsh for for a girl who also comes from southern areas yeah. of the world, warmer climate.
1: Yeah, I know. Good luck. Oh, I'm glad it's... <laughs> I love Chicago, but yeah, to live there in the winter would be a little hard.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And so, Rita, tell tell me, did you already speak English when you moved to the U.S.? Or is that something that you started learning when you came here?
1: Oh, yeah. So in Germany... I think all school kids learn English um, yeah. quite early. So mine was in elementary school in fourth grade. And the story is that our teacher gave us names, first names. And I was very proud of mine. Mine was Nelly. <laughs> and then I found out that Nelly is more like a dog's name, actually. that there's a very many, There are not very many Nellies around. Yeah. Uh, my best friend was Pam. And so it's easier if you have a different persona to actually slip into that persona and you know, act like you speak the language. So I think that was a very good move on my teacher's part. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I taught English to colleagues later on, where we where, where worked, I used the same trick. I made them take names as well. Mm, yes. so yeah. from Grade four onwards. Uh, and I majored in English in high school. And then mm. my studies, I majored in English along with business and translation science. And so, it's always been part of my education as well as my, you know, daily life.
0: Did you find that then when you moved to the U.S., you already mastered English? Did you find that it was different that the English that you heard people speak here versus the one you, that you learned all those years please, in the classrooms?
1: You probably speak from your own experience. <laughs> yes. And definitely. Is, yes is the answer. <laughs> because most of our teachers in Germany... The ones I had were British English speakers, and so I had an American math oh. teacher who spoke German to me, and somebody else. But um, and all of our TV shows are dubbed, uh, so all you ever hear is German, even coming out of you know oh. any actor's mouth. So when I came here to the to the south, it was quite the awakening um, because there's a what they call a southern drawl. So okay words differently than i was used to them from from movies or something and and expressions and you know um saying so it was interesting i learned a lot <laughs> uh and it wasn't always easy but of course I'm a, as a linguist i appreciate the richness of language and the richness of metaphors and sayings and so forth as well
0: yes yes i think something that came to mind as you were as you were saying and speaking about some of the um Things that are characteristic of the English that is spoken in, for example, Atlanta in the southern states is uh, when people say "y'all."
1: Yes, right. Yo. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the whole vowel, um, it's called a diphthong, I think, in linguistics. Mm. It's not just dog, it's dog, you know. And, dog,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and when I first asked for a stamp, you know, like. Can I buy a stamp? And they said, "What kind of stamp you do, do you want?" And I'm like, oh. Anyway, yeah. So yeah,
0: for sure. Like the ears and the brain were okay. Yeah, I we're, a little confused. A little bit of like linguistic uh, shock, almost. You know. Yes. We yes. often talk about the culture shock. I think part of it is the linguistic shock that
1: I agree. even if we
0: speak the language, it, we have to to relearn or not learn some things. I agree. Yeah. So Rita, you are a mindfulness meditation teacher, facilitator, interculturalist, and executive coach. Tell us more about your experience being an interculturalist. What what does it mean to be an interculturalist?
1: What it means to me is really it's a bridge builder role that an interculturalist has. So it's somebody who moves between cultures, um, hopefully without a lot of pain, but with with ease. And, you know, in my case, I began, I think, that journey when I moved to the U.S., because when you go as a tourist, you don't really have that same experience, but when you move somewhere with, you know, everything that you have, then you you start living the life of an interculturalist. And so I did that when I came Mm in 86. And then in 2000, sorry, in 1990, four years later, I started a company and formally made that my professional focus, um, Mm -hmm. intercultural communication. And yeah, so I've been a bridge builder ever since, trying to also a translator, so translating cultural norms into behaviors and explaining to people, you know, the whys behind the ways as well. So it all kind of came together for me because as an English major and a business major in high school, I was able to combine those two in my intercultural business I work mostly with corporate clients um, that are either from Europe or are going to Europe or also mm-hmm. other countries in the world, not just Europe. Yeah, and the translation part of my education also came in very handy because a lot of what interculturalist does is translating, mm-hmm. you know, behaviors, gestures, words, sounds, and so forth, so.
0: Yeah, I love, I love how you explain that. Yeah, translators of, of culture, cultural yeah, norms, behaviors. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the whys behind the ways. That's right. That's yeah, a and great Edward, way
1: Edward Hall said that language is a window onto culture, right? So, how we speak about certain things tells us about the way the norms are formed or which norms have been created uh, in the culture.
0: It's so true. Now, tell us a little more about these other part of, of who you are and what you do and what's important in the essence in your life, the mindfulness meditation, you know, it's like, how did you discover that? How did that come into your life up until the point that you became and decided to become a practitioner?
1: Yeah. So the interesting thing is this also happened through interculturalism. So it was at a conference in a CETA conference, which is the Society for Intercultural Education, Training and Research, which is our mm-hmm. intercultural professional association. Um, and this was at a conference in Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. I it was in 2002. I saw a workshop on the program on, called on, uh, on personal leadership as a way to bridge cultures. And I thought, oh, that's not interesting. So I go there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I meet these two teachers that are very famous in the field, uh, Barbara Shetty and uh, Gordon Watanabe. Mm-hmm. They have come up with this framework called Personal Leadership introduced it at the summer institute of Intercultural communication in portland oregon love f- maybe a few years before I, I you know learned about pl which is the mm-hmm. abbreviation for personal leadership And when i did my first pl workshop which i just signed up for i just wanted to sound good to me the next year 2003 gordon actually led us in meditations almost every day and he called it heart meditation at the time and mm-hmm. That's when I first started meditating and learned, and, and one of the principles of PL is actually mindfulness. The other one yeah. is creativity, and so discussed uh-huh. it in great detail and it's been with me ever since. Then I moved to Halifax, Nova Scotia in 2008, and that is one of the centers of um, Shambhala Buddhism, it's called, so a type uh-huh. of Buddhism that's that was brought to the West um, by by a teacher and I became exposed to a lot of people that were Buddhists. And then when I came back to Atlanta in 2013, I joined the local Shambhala community. And I took what they call refuge vows, sort of a Buddhist vow that you want to uh, you know, um, live by the Buddhist precepts or principles, like the mm-hmm. commandments, you might say. And yeah, so it's been part of my life since 2003 um and then but on and off more and, and I've been a regular meditator since you know for about 15 years now or so mm-hmm.
0: and, and what is mindfulness you know for the the listeners who are listening to these and then and then they are wondering they have a little bit of familiarity with with this concept and yeah. this practice or none at all how would you explain it
1: it's actually become a buzzword now because mm. people want to practice it um which is great and it's not Simply just to sit, you know meditate once a month or so. It's actually a practice that you need to do on a more regular basis, if possible, daily basis. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of the most common definitions that's coined by Jon Kabat-Zinn, one of the mindfulness pioneers. I'm not sure that he would use that word, but he is one of those people that have been doing it for a long time. It's present moment awareness in a way that is non-judgmental and also Focus on a purpose. So mm-hmm. and the non-judgmental part is where it connects with interculturalism because mm-hmm. in interculturalism we are very much trying to become aware of our judgments and hopefully minimize their impact on our behaviors, you know, across cultures. So yeah. Um but awareness might be another word for it, very simply speaking. Um but not just awareness but in a a purposeful way so we always say that there's two wings of mindfulness um one is wisdom awareness and the other one is compassion so Mm -hmm. you're not just doing it to become more aware or to get you know more out of your workforce or to be more resilient there's also something that goes along with it that is has to do with um being kind and generous or yeah. Towards oneself, yourself, and others, and mm-hmm. so those are the two wings, and that's very important to me too. That I practice that in that two-pronged approach. And mm-hmm. you know, how do I serve others? How can I, you know, be as kind as I can? The Dalai Lama says my religion is kindness, and that's kind of how I feel as well. Um, everything goes better with kindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw a um, a car bumper sticker the other day. If I can find it this quickly. It was so good because, of course, you can't find things. But it was something along the lines of, "You never know what somebody else's story is or what mm-hmm. their, their battle is, so be kind to them." It really spoke to me as well.
0: That is definitely something that you know we we need to be reminded of often. I think a lot of us try to be that way, but the reminder is always helpful. I once saw. I think this was on a coffee mug. <laughs> so that said spread kindness like confetti
1: oh I love that yeah that's great yeah
0: and uh, I really love that and it stuck with me because of the imagery and just letting it just spread and and fall on anyone that needs it and to absorb that energy of kindness
1: yeah I just found the quote it says everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about be 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 kind kind always
0: definitely something for for us to keep in mind that's beautiful and rita you were mentioning you know how mindfulness and interculturalism <clears throat> intertwine right and one of the key bridges there is the non-judgmental attitude right trying to suspend judgment let's talk a little more about about that and how mindfulness can help people like you and i who you know have made the choice to live across cultures and Maybe temporarily, maybe long term. Maybe you know we have immigrated, mm-hmm. and how can mindfulness help us in our lives? You know, face some of the the challenges that come up when we choose to uproot ourselves from a place that is familiar to us and that we're comfortable with, and we're just interacting with people who are different than us on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to say about that. So you we mentioned the judgmentalness or non-judgmentalness, um, and I actually tend to say. Not suspend judgment because I yeah. feel that's not really possible. I tend to say, you know, in the personal leadership kind of way, um, mm-hmm. attend to your judgment or mm-hmm. become aware of your judgment and then make a choice about how do you want to react to a situ- situation or respond to it rather. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Um, the most basic thing to me is that in mindfulness, you're practicing noticing. And that's what an interculturalist does. They notice differences. They they notice nuances. They notice ways to bridge the gap. They, they It's all about becoming aware of what's going on around you. When I became a more formal interculturalist, I, I feel like my radar screen went from like a, you know, maybe like a 80 degree angle to more like an 180 degree angle because I notice a lot more all of a sudden people's tones and people's you know very small minute gestures and I woke up to this these differences more and I think that's what mindfulness helps me with to become more and more aware of what's going on inside of me including my triggers including you know what's really important to me and and my moment by moment emotions or thoughts or my body feelings. And I think that's very helpful for an interculturalist because that's how we see the world, right? That we're trying to make sense of things and we don't we can't do that unless we are good observers of what's going on around us.
0: And so would you say that that we need to start that practice with ourselves, like observing ourselves first, to become better observers of what's going on around us and with others who are maybe behaving differently.
1: That's what some of the Famous and a culturalist saying, I agree, right? it's always starts with yourself because mm-hmm. you, need a, you need a reference point and p- because you're always with yourself, you know, why not use that? So, yeah, it does start with yourself. And I feel that's why it's important for me to hone my own instrument, mm-hmm. deepen in my own practice. Um, you know, I teach it, as you said, but I have to always be my own best student as well, I feel. And the third thing I want to say is uh it does help to build resilience or resiliency. And as an interculturalist, you know, especially if you're like entering a new space, it's quite exhausting, right? You don't know the language, you might not know the language, you might not know the norms and you make mistakes and you feel bad and all these kinds of things. And so you're very reactive and mindfulness helps you slow down, pause and be more able to be responsive instead of reactive and mm-hmm. build a bit of resilience and looking at situations as learning opportunities rather than like, oh, they ought to get me again. You know, this happened to me again. That's not <laughs> helpful. So you kind of slow down the whole process of making sense of the world mm-hmm. on a good day. Not always, but on a good day you do.
0: Do you maybe have an example that, that comes to mind in terms of um, maybe a situation that might arise where it's very easy or like the instinct is to react instead of responding and, and what, what that would look like reacting versus responding.
1: Yeah. So just this morning I was in a spin class. So I'm a cyclist as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was early in the morning and I got there just before the class started and I got on the bike and set it all up for myself. I changed the height of the saddle and so forth and mm-hmm. turned the computer on and it didn't work I'm like oh I was kind of mad because, you know, I was already tight in time. They were starting the class and I had to find a new bicycle that where the computer worked. So I went to the next bike. The same thing happened like twice. I found two bikes that didn't work. And I'm like, <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> I was, I was feeling anger and mm-hmm. I was feeling frustration and like blaming somebody. Why don't they fix these bikes? You know, I'm paying money, blah, blah, mm-hmm. And then I realized, you know, I can just put these bikes to the side and I can talk to the, the guy who looks after the bikes and the equipment, and tell them these are the bikes that are not working, and so that next time somebody who comes in the next class doesn't have to do the same thing, mm. or mm-hmm. and including myself because I've had this actually happen to me several times. So, and when I thought, you know, I can actually do something here, I can solve this somehow. I can I can find the next step that would eliminate this irritation.
0: Mm-hmm. Then also.
1: Okay, perfect. So here are the two bikes. I'm going to go to the third one. And I found the third bike and I was on it and I was five minutes late to class, but I wasn't really late. I was already in the room, right? So, and then yeah. I was totally fine. Didn't have to feel angry anymore. A very small example, right? Yeah, but it is a good
0: example because it's it's also a simple one of something that, you know, just happens in our common yeah. daily life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what happens more and more. I think when you practice mindfulness, you look at situations that are potentially upsetting, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or angering, or frustrating. As you know, what can I learn here? Oh, now I broke this, but that means next time I know not to do this anymore. So that I break, I don't break break something a second time. Or
0: yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. I have a lot of those
1: examples, but that's just. Let's leave it at that. That's a
0: good. That's a good one. And you know, just kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about uh, the personal leadership, it it rang a bell with me because this is this is uh, one of the trainings and workshops I also did with with Gordon with the Nave. This was in two thousand and eighteen at the Summer Institute for Intercultural Communication. And as you were telling this story, to me it evokes also this sense of like you're leading yourself right through these moment mm-hmm. and how you're gonna yeah. live it and experience it and your choice, you know, to react versus responding and how mindfulness, mindfulness meditation can really become a tool that helps you lead yourself through these moments.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You mentioned, you know, how it can help us develop resilience, which is such a good skill and helpful skill to have, especially when we're navigating cross-cultural experiences. Can it also help us develop or amplify the joy in our life and how we you know mm-hmm. just bring more more of that into our lives and and enjoy them more and feel more fulfilled with the choices we make in our lives
1: yeah absolutely in fact i'm offering this is an in-person retreat so it can only be uh, accessible by people who live in the atlanta area but i'm offering a retreat in a f- two weeks three weeks and it's called joy colon seeing the good in life mm. it's all about um how do we cultivate joy how do we how do we become more mindful of what brings us joy and you know it's not about being Pollyanna as we say in English like right. always positive but it's to intentionally looking for things that are actually nourishing you instead of and then mm. avoiding those that are, you know, if it's possible, you can always avoid negativity, you know, sometimes it's just part of your day or the world is full of negative things right there's wars going on There's all sorts of people suffering. <laughs> But how can you, in the face of all the suffering, still maintain an attitude of 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 might you might want to say hope or an attitude of positivity? Because that's what you can spread, right? Ian? And that's going to be a, mm. a helpful thing to do for the whole universe in my in my mind. And so that's what I'm interested in doing. Yeah, and with the second wing, as that I mentioned before, the the wing of compassion. Compassion to me is a part of love right by feeling Mm -hmm. compassion towards somebody I also love them not in the romantic way but I extend some kindness to them and you know we have a practice called loving kindness meditation where we actually wish somebody directly good things you know in our minds we say it like silently to ourselves but that's another piece where love comes in in my in my experience in in my uh, world so it's definitely part of it. And if it's not, then something is missing.
0: It's a sign that we need to pay attention, right? To bring it back. But how hard it is, you know, to to think about extending that love and that compassion, that kindness towards someone that maybe mm. has hurt us or others, you know, or, yep, or the world. <laughs> yep, yep,
1: That's a very good question. It came mm. up a lot during those four years of a presidency that, you know, we shall mm. not talk about. But so what you can do with somebody who has perhaps even done harm to you um, or others in the interest of, I would say, working towards the good in the world um, is to to wish them that they be free of hate mm. or free of, you know, bad intentions. Um, because that would be helpful to anybody, right? And Absolutely. Including to them. And that's fine, but it's more like wishing for the good of, you know, the, the bigger community of people um, and what their role in is, And so that's what I do sometimes, you know, when something has upset me and I, I can't possibly feel like loving kindness in this moment, but I can still wish for this person or this event to end well or for them to transform or change or, you know, whatever it might be. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's a, a good, helpful way to, to not spread more hate, right, and, and feed it more and just okay. like spread the kind of energy that will, hopefully help people free themselves from it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm.
0: And so Rita, you, you mentioned the the retreat that you're offering as an opportunity for people to experience some of these things we've been talking about and also working with you. How else can, can listeners who want to learn more about you and what you do, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Well, um, I do have a website. That's my business website, interglobeweb.net that has an aspect or has a part that is dedicated to mindful leadership. Um, so they can read a little bit about it there. Also, my LinkedIn profile, um, if they look for my name, which is probably fairly unique uh, in mm-hmm. the LinkedIn world, so they can find me there. <laughs> and then I lead a weekly meditation sangha, which is the the Pali word or the Sanskrit word for community. Mm-hmm. It's a drop-in free meditation gathering um, that's only 30 minutes. Every Wednesday at noon Eastern time, so six o'clock European time, and we get about eighteen to twenty people each week, and from all around the world. Um, we had a person in India until the time changed, and then it didn't work for it. You know, got too late. Uh, mm. We have people in Brazil. We have Europeans always attending, Canadians, and so um, I call it midweek mindfulness meditation, MMM, mm-hmm. and. If anybody wants to be a part of that and wants to get a weekly reminder, they can just email me through the website. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also publish a blog once a quarter with a mindfulness topic that is being featured and some resources each time and some quotes and so forth. So Mm -hmm. you do to get in touch with me.
0: I remember that one of the first communities that I was a part of for mindfulness meditation was yours and it was actually during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and it was wonderful it was something that I I know I look forward to every week Mm
1: -hmm. to have that
0: experience for myself and to develop the practice and learn more about that but also to see you and connect with you and with all the other beautiful souls from around the world that were there and I remember you always had a poem or a quote to share that Mm -hmm. then just you know stayed yeah. with me the whole week until yeah. We connected again. <laughs> yeah
1: that's still that's still good that's what i'm talking about that's still going strong mm-hmm. and right now it's by now it's like a group of people there's a core that always always comes and it's really lovely and when i'm not there then somebody else fills mm-hmm. in so it, it always takes place we, we take a little break in the summer and just uh, around christmas but otherwise we meet every every wednesday and it's been really really fantastic mm-hmm. um to have that constant like you said you know and some people come for a while, then they stop for a while, then they come back. So you know, it's it's really up to you. And there's always one. There's one participant who all, who can quote poems you wouldn't believe. And so when I talk, <laughs> when I give a little mini talk about the topic, she always has something that she can contribute. So it's been really nice to do this. Oh, thing. how
0: wonderful! This is a good friendly reminder for myself to go back to these. Yeah, it <laughs> back. it's been a while that. since the last yeah, time. Yes, um, yeah. But mm-hmm. I am in a, in a program, a different program with you right now, Awakening, An Introduction to the Practice of Mindfulness, which I have enjoyed greatly, and again, it has allowed me to experience working with you and reconnect with my mindfulness meditation practice and learn more about the the foundations of it and the principles of it and connect with some new people. Can you tell us a little more about that program, if it's something that maybe you you are planning to offer again? Mm-hmm. Future. yes i will
1: for sure it's a four-week program it'll probably be offered in the fall or early next year um an hour and 15 minutes each and uh, each session session focuses on a different aspect of mindfulness a foundation as we say so mindfulness of the body and the breath mindfulness of emotions mindfulness of thoughts and then we introduce a different type of meditation each time and we practice together sitting meditation and you know there's some space for reflection and small group discussion and then large group discussions and QA. Give a little little introduction or talk about these these three or four foundations and it's it's fun.
0: Yeah. It is fun. And Rita, these um programs and services and, and opportunities uh for experiences that you offer are they um well in English but do you also offer them in, in other languages? Do you offer them in your native language in german
1: that's a great question i'm just beginning to explore this so one of the apps that i absolutely adore and use a lot is called insight timer Mm -hmm. and on it you can find meditation teachers in different languages there's actually one that is uh, does it she she does it in german and there's a way to become a meditation teacher for Insight timer so i'm just beginning to explore this Mm -hmm. so I haven't decided yet whether or would I even be accepted um, as a meditation teacher. But something I'm in a German-speaking meditation teacher group that mm-hmm. meets actually today this afternoon, and um, this is part of our program. There's a lot of people that are German-speaking, and so yeah, it's interesting to me and exciting. So maybe I'll do that. Um, so mm-hmm. stay tuned for further. Yeah, um, <laughs> for I'm sure. not quite not quite there yet, but it would be fun to do it in German as well because you know that is the the language of your heart where you were were born with so
0: it carries a special Uh, yeah vibration right
1: exactly yeah and i'm always about integration all parts of my life and that would be a great other integration step if i could do it in both languages so
0: we'll see we'll see Yes, (laughs) for (laughs) sure and rita speaking of languages let's do some some fun questions here do you have a favorite word in german to share with us
1: I do. Um so the word is boats house. B-O-O-T-S-H-A-U-S. And you the word house is house, you know that, and boat is boat, so it's boat house. <laughs> and I do not know why, but when I say this word boats house, I think of sunlight dappling on the water and the boat somehow you know, floating around in a lake. Uh, and it just has such a peaceful ring to me. So much so that I, so I have some friends who call me Boathouse or Boat. <laughs> so that's my nickname. Sounds but like
0: I think... a, a connection to a happy place.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. That's right. Yes. So Boathouse. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: nice. What about a, a favorite word in another language that you speak?
1: Well, I do speak English and Spanish. The mm-hmm. latter not as well as I used to, but the word that I chose is. In English, discombobulated, and the
0: reason I that <laughs> that's a not, long
1: word, <laughs> right? And that's exactly why I chose it because once I knew I could say that word, I, I felt like I had level reached another level of competency in English. But when mm-hmm. I when I got that word down, discombobulated, which means you know confused or scattered, that's I thought I got it, now I can. <laughs> <laughs> when you're able to make a joke in a foreign language right or you understand poetry in a foreign language so this word was sort of my test case and that's why i like it discombobulated and it sounds so discombobulated right it sounds like blah, blah, blah. so yeah
0: it really does channel the you know yeah, the meaning yeah. behind it
1: i imagine like uh building blocks falling down like the big tower all, all of a sudden <laughs> And the funny thing is, as a linguist, you know, English is so illogical compared to other languages. <laughs> so it, there's discombabulated, but there's no combabulated that doesn't exist. So it's,
0: <laughs> you know. this is a topic I would love to have you back for another episode where we yeah. talk about some of these things related yeah. to language. And I would with my background, background in linguistics, it will be really fascinating because I think I have come across several words that do that or maybe yeah. some words that I in yeah. my mind. It right. makes sense that they should exist and they don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. We can, we can talk about that together. Yeah. Oh, for
0: sure. Yeah. And Sarita, so before before we go, I have one more question for you. What would your future self thank your present self for?
1: Mm-hmm. So I love that question. Thank you so much for it. The future self would thank the present self for never giving up and for being persistent always being persistent i'm sometimes called by my friends i act like a dog with a bone i won't let my my bone go <laughs> i i pursue what i set out to achieve and that's not always good sometimes it's like you know come on let go it's not really worth it that you're spending more energy on this and i think it has helped me to build a business to stay in business for so long to maintain relationships for a long time. So I really think persistence is is a very, could be a highly rated uh, adjective. That's what I would like to thank my present self for. And then the other one um, is to be somewhat disciplined. Mm-hmm. And you might think, oh, that's an awful word, discipline, right? But the, the word comes actually from Latin, and it means, it comes from the word disciple, and that's the word for that, the translation for that is um, student. So. For me discipline is this to being a student of myself mm. like what can i engage in that will actually keep me motivated and you know and and doing it
0: and mm-hmm.
1: so i have a lot of habits and routines that uh you know they change but that i know like going to the gym or going cycling and stuff like that mm-hmm. discipline has really helped me get stronger get healthier get more grounded and so because with building a business, you have to have a certain amount of discipline as well. So persistence and discipline, although that sounds a little like, well, they're not very nice things to say, but they've been helpful to me in, in, in I think, leading actually a happier life and being yeah. authentic. So, I think they're really
0: powerful my, words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean.
1: And it came from my mother. So she completely imbued those words in me. And she was very persistent and also very disciplined, but in a fun way. She wasn't all you know it wasn't like sitting there with a whip and beating me not at all you know just by the way she would do things she was a knitter and so she knit hundreds of socks but they were all- <laughs> and i gave them away to my friends and two weeks ago was her 100th birthday she's passed on mm. i get i got my friends to bring their their socks to to my house and we took pictures of all the socks there was 53 pairs that only you know six people had brought together and she's made many more so oh so just a about knitting it was very accurate but it was also very and it was also very beautiful so
0: yeah and, and it sounds like she really connected to her joy through that knitting. i think so yeah and, and shared it of, with others yeah
1: right of making them and then of giving them away and, and then i got to give them away which was really great because i was very popular amongst my friends do you have any more of those socks from your mom I said sure <laughs> So saying, mom you have to make more socks people want more socks and she would just do it and
0: yeah oh this is beautiful thank you so much rita for leaving us with these thoughts that are very inspiring inspiring and these two words are powerful too and, and some of the meanings behind that both like for from your personal life but also from a linguistics point of view i think i learned something new also about the word discipline and how there's this side mm. of you know learning it's, yeah it's experience I, of learning yeah. and putting yourself in the student shoes yeah well i
1: truly enjoyed being with you and um having this dialogue with you so thank you very much for inviting me and the invitation to reflect is always such a gift right and that's what you gave me so thank you for that as well
0: oh, you are very welcome thank you so much for being with us here today i really enjoyed our conversation and We'll see you soon. I for sure will see you soon. I'll see you tomorrow. It's, at, yeah, October. it's last. Laugh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> bye. You bye, Rita.
1: Bye-bye, Catalina.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you go, please rate it, give it five stars if you enjoyed it, and leave a written review to let us know what resonated with you. In the episode notes, you will find more information about Rita and how to connect with her. Also, how to join the Midweek Mindfulness Meditation Group for free weekly 30-minute meditation sessions with participants from around the world and how to subscribe to her quarterly mind-taming blog. I also share the link to Insight Timer, Rita's go-to meditation app, and here's the quote she shared with us and I'd like to leave you with. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind, always. Thanks again for choosing to spend this moment of life with us today. Until next time, may life flow in the best possible way for you and every one of us. I'm Caterina, and this was the Being Well Between Cultures podcast. By the way, are you already following the podcast? No? Subscribe and follow to get notified when new episodes come out. And remember, share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues to help the Being Well Between Cultures community grow and touch another person's life.